sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Welcome to the Tale of the Tape. Today is the day, folks, the day that most consider to be the most important day in all of sports. Yes, folks, it is draft day (laughs) for the League of Extraordinary Gamblers. Then it is like Christmas. Oh, my God, I cannot wait. So fantasy football draft day at the League of Extraordinary Gamblers is a high stakes, high buy-in, high octane weekly lottery ticket of fun and football fanatics. And as we almost named the league before it became the League of Extraordinary Gamblers, the the working title was the League of Degenerate Gamblers, because that's exactly what all of us are, are degenerates. Well, Vin, welcome back to episode 11 of the Tale of the Tape. Yes, sir, buddy. We are here live broadcasting from the beautiful wilderness mountainous state of West Virginia. Yes, folks, that's right. We do have... Running water and electricity <laughs> in West Virginia. My water bottle is filled with the spring that flows through the backyard. And we have a gerbil spinning the wheel, creating the electricity to power our microphones oh for today's my show. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so episode 11 of the Tale of the Tape, we've been on a two-week hiatus as I was journeying on my one-year anniversary with my beautiful wife, Amy. We took a week off, went on vacation and uh, just went all out and had a great time, and so we're back. So we're going to dive into the Sean Porter versus Kell Brook, the fight that happened two weeks ago. Uh, it was a pretty much, you know, anticipated fight in the welterweight division as Sean Porter was set to defend his IBF 147-pound belt against the undefeated Briton Kell Brook. Leading into the fight here in the States, all we saw was footage on Sean Porter. And we had really limited information outside of, you know, a few minutes of video here and there on Kelbrook. I don't even know if we had a proper opinion on the guy, but uh, we yeah, both... We hadn't seen enough of him. Right. So we picked Sean Porter. You know, going into the fight, what were you looking for? What were you looking forward to the most going into this fight? Uh, you know, I wanted to see if if Brook could handle the, the pressure of Porter. That was the biggest thing. And, I mean, he did without a doubt handle it. He looked so poised in there during that fight. He looked tall. He looked he looked he looked strong too. He looked ripped. way bigger than 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 Porter. So. Yeah, dude, Porter looked like a little tyke in there, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. He looked really short. And you know, that might have as much to do with the way they um held their stature. Porter was hunched over and sort of like bruising in, you know. Right. If you're low, you might as well get lower. <laughs> exactly. And Kell Brook stood taller. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's the same thing when you see like uh, a fighter like Carl Froch in the ring who typically fights against guys that range between five foot ten and six foot two, but he always looks like the taller fighter, right? Because he stands taller. Yeah. So, anyways, from the onset, uh, Brook took control of this fight, and you could tell after the first round that the jab 
was going to dictate this entire fight. You could. And at, to me, it, it was, uh, you know, kind of a disappointing, I don't know if it was a game plan or, or attack by Porter. He just seemed over anxious. He did. And he was very anxiously aggressive. Yeah. I guess you could call it, right? And ineffectively aggressive. Yeah. I mean, he came flying in all the time. Uh, there was a bit of a concern for Brooke, though, at the beginning of the fight. In the second round, he was cut by an a, uh, incidental headbutt over the left eye. Uh, Porter was diving in wild, jumping with punches. Brooke was sidestepping, countering accurately. At one time in the fight, do you remember that replay when they showed in slow motion Porter was jumping in, like literally diving. His punch was behind his body. His face was first, and before he could swing the punch, Brooke threw a stiff jab right down the middle, popped him in the face, and literally stopped him. Yeah. He just, he just, he did literally, like, almost like he was airborne, and somebody, like, popped the balloon, and he just dropped <laughs> right. to the ground. Yeah, that was, uh, and uh, I mean, there was almost a bunch of that happening in that fight. That He got too wide on his way in and, and paid the price. Yeah, I think Brooke knew the game plan was, was to stand tall and go right down the middle, because yep. Porter was going to leave it open all night. And, and he did it all night long. So as the intensity on, on Porter's side, the, the anxiety, the anxiousness, at some point in the middle of the fight seemed to turn to panic. Yeah. I mean, he was just, I was really just kind of blown away at the fact that he just seemed to just be swinging wildly. Yeah. And with no target. Just, and, and, and I, you know, I hate to say this, but it, it happens to fighters. You get to a certain level and you're being trained by your father. You need a boxing mind in there. He, right. He's kind of just pumping you up in your ability and just come on, son. You need somebody who's going to give you solid, concrete, you know, advice to do something different, change something up. And he he didn't get it from his dad. No, I mean, when you're fighting against guys like Devin Alexander and Paulie Malinaji, where a stiff breeze could blow those yeah. guys over, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can put your head down and swing wildly because you're going to overpower them. Right. And if they don't, you know, but the thing is, is like you said at the beginning of the opening of the show, Brooke physically looked like the stronger oh, fighter. He, he looked like a beast. Yeah, dude. I mean, he, he looked more like a, a, a middleweight. Yeah, he, he did. He did. He certainly looks like he can move up. Here's something that I, I, I have no idea. I wanted to ask you this for the longest time. Did you notice, okay, around, I don't know if it was um, like the 10th or 11th round, all of a sudden Porter comes out of the corner and starts employing some ridiculous style that wasn't his at all. He looked... Honestly, like he was fighters have a tendency when they're hurt or they get stunned to start acting silly. They start blowing kisses. They start sticking their tongue out. They start like asking for more. The typical Brandon Rios response to getting hit. Right. You're not hurting me. You're hitting me, but you're not hurting me. Well, the thing is, though, Porter was visibly hurt. Oh, yeah. And he looked like he had no idea what was going on. So he comes out in the 11th round looking like Andre Berto, looking like Adrian Broner in this this stance that he's never used before. Like, okay, you know what? I'm getting embarrassed, so I'm going to act bad instead. Right. If I if I go in the ring and start acting bad, maybe it'll look like I'm winning. I can, I can fool the judges into, yeah, this is my fight. I do what I want. Dude, I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of boxers out there, amateur and professional, that if they stood toe-to-toe, if you were to take Sean Porter and put his feet in concrete, and another fighter and put their feet in concrete and was forced to fight in a phone booth, Porter would get destroyed. Oh, he would. Yeah, he's he's not He's not he's a got boxer, a sh- dude. He's got to shorten up his punches. He's I don't he obviously got to where he is based on his just aggression and overwhelming people, but you get to a certain level and there's guys that can deal with that. Yeah. And and Brooke proved that. 
fact of the matter is, is that whether Porter was stunned or not, you could visibly tell that Porter had no answers and he was embarrassed. Right. He had nothing he could do. He kept putting his head down. Like you said, those punches were flailing. He, he wasn't looking at his target and nothing was landing clean. No, not I, I don't remember any really solid, hard shots from him. It was a very disappointing fight, you know, based on, of course, our both of our predictions being way off. Yeah, we, we well, weren't close. Dude, I'm going to be the first to admit when I'm wrong, man. Right. Like, I did not study Brooke up enough at all. No. And you don't know the fighters he's fighting either, so it's tough to gauge. I completely blew my wide on that one. That was one of the worst picks I've ever had. And you know what? I'm glad that Brooke proved me wrong because the thing is, man, there's so many guys that, especially American fighters, and, you know, I hate to classify everybody together. You know, I hate to profile guys like, like Berto and Broner and Porter. But the fact of the matter is, man, is that there's there becomes a, a serious epidemic where, and even guys like we saw last night, Javion Love getting knocked out. Yeah, You know what I mean? These guys that focus, they want so badly to be, like, to look cool and make sure their ego's intact while they're in the ring. It's right. like, dude, you need to worry about what, you have somebody on the other side of you that wants to kill you. Right. You check that ego when you uh, step through the ropes. Oh, unbelievable, man. That was the most frustrating part about this fight. And you know what? I don't ever criticize them like other boxing fans because we're we're, we're boxing fans. You know what I right, mean? Like, right. when, 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 you know, when it comes to scorecards and, and whatever else, what we do as fans is we look at the media and the judges, the judges scorecards, and we we comment on those. The people, and I'm just going to do this this one time. This is only the only fight this year that has warranted it. Right. Okay is these fans that thought that Sean Porter won this fight, that he was robbed, oh they need to stop God. watching the sport altogether. They need to stop watching the sport because you know how frustrated I get, Vince, about clinching. You know how frustrated I get about Arislandi Lara-esque fighters right. that run and don't engage. Right. You know I like action fighting. Right. Dude, this was the first fight I've watched in a long time where Brooke had to clinch because Porter was so out of control when he was jumping in. It was sloppy, very sloppy and very disappointed is, is the only way you can explain Porter's performance that night. You know, I, I did not expect to see just amateurish. I, it was just very, very, very disappointing. You look man. bad. Brooke yeah. looked like a professional boxer, yeah. dude. Brooke looks like a uh, champion. Yeah, he's going to be there. He's going to have to be reckoned with for quite some time. I scored the fight 117-111. And I, at no point in this fight did I feel that Sean Porter had any control of nah, it whatsoever. He, he might have won two out of the first six rounds, maybe. Yeah, I had Porter winning rounds four and six Yeah, in early on, and then I had him winning the 10th round before he came out trying to do his best Andre Berto impersonation, adding sound effects to the end. And he only won that 10th round because he was just, I mean, he came out super aggressive. I think at that point he realized even more so than before, uh, uh, the fight is over, uh, I'm behind. I'm just going to come out and let it all hang out. And that's how he won the 10th. Nobody's ever accused Devin Alexander or Pauly Malinaji of ever being in the most ripped tip top shape in the world. I mean, no. Paul, and, you know, Pauly at the end of his career is look, you know, he looked flabby. He looked like he hadn't trained as hard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, dude, this was a Porter thought that his training and that his physical dominance and his conditioning was going to win him this fight. Right. He stepped in the ring with a guy that was equally as ready to go 12. Oh yeah. Those guys could have went, both of them could have went 15. Yeah, yeah. Brooke, uh, Brooke made a name for himself that night, at least in America. I'm sure in, in the UK he had already made a name for himself, but he's to be reckoned with in the 147-pound in division for sure. 
Yeah, no doubt about that at all. So anyways, we'll have to see what's up next for, for Kell Brook. We won't dive into that until we know exactly what's going on, and then we can go back and forth. So let's move on to, a, real quickly, I just wanted to make a comment on the rematch of Sakio Bika versus Anthony Durrell. Dude, I'm telling you now. Bika is so annoying to watch. I don't know what it is about him. Dude, he, he's not in there. To, he doesn't even look like he wants to win. No. He just he wants to go in there and annoy you. Slop it up and just make it look ugly. I, I really am I'm tired of Sakio Bika. No, somebody needs to get him under contract and pay him $100,000 a year to be a sparring partner because that's all he's good for right. is if you if you if you want to get in there and practice against a total mess right then that's what Sakio because he'll he'll physically frustrate you but I tell you right now Anthony Durrell he ain't nothing special either he's a flat-footed yeah long-armed fighter he's kind of, he's got some quickness he's got a decent jab but he's not he's nothing special yeah it's nothing unimpressive nothing Anyways, special at all so now we move on to big knockout boxing. Yeah. So BKB launched their 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 flagship, their initial welcome to the world of combat pugilism. Um, on it was a Direct TV sponsored card. It was actually accessible on all the major cable networks. I ended up buying it like an idiot because I was bored one night. <laughs> um, albeit, I even bought it a week after the actual fight. The uh, you knew the outcomes place. and you still bought it. All right. <laughs> so a lot of people in the boxing world that are covering the sport think that um, they, I heard positive reviews about this thing. Yeah. Okay. I did too. And I'm going to tell you right now, Vin, here's, it, it really boils down to the reason why I have fallen so much in love with boxing as I've gotten, as I've gotten older is there is a thing about boxing that separates it even from MMA, and that is the individualism, the characters, right. the free agency of the sport, as frustrating as it can be in the matchup department. Right. But they're characters. Everybody's right. so different. Everybody has a different story. There's a certain bit of like uh, pageantry that surrounds the sport. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And here is my my thing with BKB is they stuck. Okay, I now granted they got a main event of two guys that have had, you know, decent careers. They, they've at least fought, um, you know, champions. And albeit, they've gotten their asses kicked. But th- this was, the question was raised, was the Brian Vera, Gabe Rosado card, was this matchmaking? Was this, or as BKB wants to tout with all of these matches, that it's the rules, it's their setup, putting them in a pit, not allowing them to clinch. Right. Um, the quick rounds that it's, you know, so that's what they're going to claim because they want to sell their product. Right. Vince, that fight would have looked exactly the same yeah. inside of a boxing ring. Exactly the same. Exact, those two, it would have looked no different at all. Okay. My biggest problem with the BKB is the crowd is so far away from the ring. They're not engaged at all. You can't even, you almost barely see them while the fight's going on. Exactly. It, it looks like an isolated, like you're in an isolation chamber fighting. Yeah. Okay. Both fighters come out like as if they're on a team. What like the like the gold team and the silver team. Right. There's there every fighter wore the same outfits in the same gloves. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hold on. So are they like trying to accumulate points for their team? Right. It completely sucked the individualism. Yeah, that that's terrible. Out of it whatsoever. It's like, dude, like all these guys look the same to me. And then I hear I, dude, I have so much respect for for Steve Kim and, and and Gabriel Montoya, and you know I follow them closely as they are so close to the sport. But the two of these guys were sitting here touting the Eddie Caminero fight 
against David Estrada as it was maybe the fight of the year. You know what I saw? I saw two guys, washed up fighters in their mid-30s, standing toe-to-toe, throwing haymakers at one another. And I'm sorry, man, I realized after watching this card that, I yeah, I like action fighting, but I don't watch the sport to watch two people try to kill each other. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, come on. I want to see some semblance of movement and skill and ability and not just... Hey, let's uh, let's see who goes down first. Let's just punch each other in the face for about twelve minutes, dude. That fight was so lacking any bit of skill whatsoever. Two washed up guys trying to get a twenty thousand dollar paycheck because they aren't fighting anybody right. anymore. You got guys that will never be anything. You got Anthony Johnson, Demir Ortuz, Kurshid Abdulev, Ricard. No, there's no background story on these guys. They're sparring partners. <laughs> what makes the big fights? Okay is you watch these guys through either Top Rank or Golden Boy, uh, HBO Showtime. You watch these fighters get developed. You see them come up right. from Showbox, Friday Night Fights. You you begin to learn about... You, what catch, the, the, you catch the backstory, everything. What's the most exciting... Uh, Triple G, why is he so exciting? Because we're watching greatness develop in front of our eyes. Right, exactly. This has none of that. It's like they were introduced to the ring. I looked over at my wife, and I was like, so what are their records? It, none of them had records. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to last, man. It can't last. I, I don't. Somebody's going to be pumping money into it, and they're eventually going to go. All right, this is kind of just. Uh, uh, just. I'm just spending my money on nothing here. Let's uh, let's cut the brakes on this. No more BKB. Uh, dude, I don't even know, man. I, it it it. It's not that I'm hating on it because the fact of the matter is these guys can whoop my ass. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're that, tough as hell. Yeah, that's not my point. The point is this: is like. How, how are you trying to legitimize this product when Gabe Rosado came out and said, he was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm turning my focus to BKB. I'm going to be the middleweight champion of BKB, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to grow this brand. Dude, the reality of the fact is, is that he got his title shots and he got his ass kicked. Oh, yeah. So, he, so he's not relevant in boxing anymore. Exactly. So, that's, so he's going to go over to this sideshow and try to legitimize something that doesn't. Dude, I love looking. I love watching the fights. In boxing, I like seeing who's sitting in the front row. Right. I like seeing like there's the, the chitter chatter around the ring. Right. You got all the all the photographers hanging in uh, underneath the bottom rope, and the fighters are on top. There's the, you're right, the pageantry. Yeah. The spectacle. Yeah. There was none of that with this. No. Yeah. And that that's one of the reasons that I've loved boxing from the beginning is yeah. is all that stuff that comes with it. And it's one of the reasons why I you know I hit the hammer on the nail. In, in in figuring this out with MMA a long time ago, and I should have realized that that's exactly what this was going to be too, is the, the thing I can't stand about MMA is that everybody that goes in the ring in MMA looks like a guy you went to high school with that wrestled. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's nothing that distincts it, you know. They don't appear larger than life. No. Like, let's give a shout out to our boy TJ Saul real quick. Yeah. Okay? TJ Saul was a state champion level wrestler, right? And... Coaches the sport, loves MMA, respect him for all of those things. Every fighter, when I'm watching, <laughs> when I'm watching MMA, I feel like I'm watching TJ Saul versus TJ Saul. Right. It's like I know this guy. Right. You know what I mean? I know right. this guy. So there is a familiarity, and white people love MMA. Oh yeah. Because it looks like them in the ring. Exactly. Like oh, I can go and train at a gym and go do this. They definitely swiped the the white demographic away from boxing, at least half of it anyways. Right. And well, here's the thing. So you get a guy that's a state champion wrestler or a college wrestler, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you throw them in the ring. Well, guess what? They are top-notch wrestlers. Right. But they're not good boxers. No. They're average at that. So they do a bunch of things very average. My point is is that there's no 
there's nothing, there's no great story. Right. You know what I mean? They're just a bunch of middle-class white guys that will randomly throw in a brother and will randomly throw in a, a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter. Right. Or, you know? an, or an Asian kickboxer or, yeah. or karate guy, whatever, yeah. But they've watered down the sport so much. And what I saw in this BKB is the same thing, the reason why I'm not interested in MMA. Yeah. Because people watch MMA because they want to see somebody get knocked out. They want to see somebody bleed. They want to see fast action, tap out, submission. That's fine. Carnage. Carnage, right? Well, he, you know, they watered down the product so much that it all blurs together. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. So anyways, all right, your turn to talk, Van. I'm tired. <laughs> what do you got, brother? Where are we going? All right, let's move on to the next part of the show because that BKB thing, man, I, I'm just not on. I'm not going to watch it because no. I want to see. I want to watch Canelo Alvarez. I want to watch Carl Frotch. I want to watch Floyd Mayweather. I want to watch Manny Pacquiao. You know, I want to see the best at their sports that have a backstory as well. Yeah. That I, I feel like I know the guys, right. You know what I mean? I right. feel like I could walk up to Chris Algieri right now and just sit down and shoot the shit with him. Right. Because you know what I'm saying? Like you feel like, you know, the guys, a right. Bit. We're watching these guys come up. Like we're kind of growing with them. Right. We're becoming more in depth into the sport and wrapping our heads around you know, it. You go from Friday night fights to Showbox, And then all of a sudden it's, Hey, I've seen this guy. Yeah. From the I beginning. watched him grow and now he's getting his shot. Absolutely, man. So no more BKB. I'm not wasting my money on it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm done with it. I'm done. I was done with it before it started. I told you you were going to have to carry that segment. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> if your ears are bleeding, I apologize. All right, so let's move on to a guy that has broken your heart time and time again. Ugh. One of Vince's favorite boxers, Andre Ward. I can't. I don't know if I can hang on to that anymore. <laughs> I've just, I'm at my wit's end with the guy. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw this, but it was it was a pretty... Pretty comical, at least I saw it as this way, but a tweet that Andre Ward sent out last week that says, so my wife is going to the store right now because she says I don't have enough ice for my ice bucket challenge. Really, babe? And I couldn't, I couldn't help but think, please, fill that thing up with dry ice. Put a 20-pound block of ice in there. <laughs> Hopefully it knocks some sense into this dumbass. And he fights. Please fight somebody. Yeah, I don't see that happening as, yet again, in another attempt to get out of his contract with Dan Goosen, Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Holly Kendig has dismissed Andre Ward's latest attempt to terminate his contract on the basis that there has nothing new to invalidate the contract. California Labor Code Section 2855 is what Ward has been trying to argue, saying that his contract for personal services with Goosen may not be enforced beyond seven years. Hello, Andre Ward. You re-signed with Goosen for three years in April of 2011 and got a half a million dollar signing bonus. What an idiot, man. I, I, there's no explanation. Who the hell is advising him? I, dude, I have no idea. What I do know is that Andre Ward wants to because he hasn't had his bell rung on this sport, he can speak a little bit better and more eloquently than a lot of boxers. The fact of the matter is his lip service has run mute in my ears, my friend. Uh, yeah, it's starting to run mute in my ears, and I think it's running mute with the entire boxing community, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's just, look, then fine, be an announcer. Just retire and announce. Enough, yeah. enough, man. So now the question is, Vin, <laughs> is he going to be back before the end of his prime? Yeah, he wasted two years of his prime. Two years of 
the best prime years in boxing. 28, 29, 30, that's when your skills and your mental knowledge kind of reach their peak together. And that's when you're at your best. And he's wasted it. He's fought twice in four years. Yeah. I, he's so damn good, too. If you If he would just fight, people would be able to see the guy is good. But when you don't fight and you're just drag every string everybody along on this bullshit you know lawsuit come on man give me a break dude i got so tired of hearing it last night they were saying uh farhood was saying in the and i don't know if you caught this during during showbox last night but there were three fighters uh three of the fights were in the super middleweight division right and they kept saying how andre ward has a stranglehold on the division that andre ward has a stranglehold on the division i'm like HBO does the same thing. HBO does it because he works for HBO. Right. But they keep talking about him like he's still fighting. Well, it's because he was so good when he was fighting and you and boxing heads fell in love with his just dominance of really good fighters. And you expected this guy to be one of the best ever. But you're just, you don't get it. So if, if he's not fighting, then how long can we keep saying this? Nah, dude, I, you know, I told you before we went on the air, if he doesn't fight by the... Uh, the new year by 2015, he's he's off my top 10 pound for pound. And I don't think you can argue no. taking him off. Because if he's on there, then we got to put Muhammad Ali on there, man. Exactly. We got to put Sugar Ray Robinson. We got to put Roberto Duran. <laughs> right. you know, Sugar Ray Leonard. You know oh what I'm saying? Oh, my God. I mean, if, if we're putting retired fighters on there, we got to have retired fighters on there. Yep. No, but uh, honestly, man, I, I don't see him fighting. I'm tired of his excuses. He needs to get his ass in the ring. And he needs to fight. Yes, there's nothing else you can say Stop about it. Stop blaming it on about everybody else. The one thing we know about Andre Ward is he's delusional. His ego, as is the case with a lot of boxers, they think that they are something more than what they actually are. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, I guarantee you right now, Vin, if Andre Ward had a fight scheduled in one month in his hometown of Oakland, he wouldn't sell 5,000 tickets. You are probably 100% correct on that. And, I, I you know, his character... Dude, people just need to read between the lines on Andre Ward. You can take, like you were saying about that tweet, you can read between the lines and you can extrapolate things, okay? Right. His comments leading into Frotch Groves too, mm-hmm. okay? The biggest event that boxing has seen in recent history, right. okay? Albeit, yeah, just because it didn't take place in the United States doesn't right. mean it doesn't count. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. fact of the matter is, there's been one fight in the history of, of boxing. One fight in the history of boxing. Muhammad Ali fought at Wembley Stadium, okay? One fight in the history of the sport has sold out that stadium. One fight only. And it was the one that Andre Ward was not involved in. And his trying to bring it down because he wasn't involved in trying to minimize it. Right. Dude, okay. George Groves. Yeah, that's fine. He's not you, Andre Ward. Right. He's not as good as you are. You know what I mean? Here's this. He's as as entertaining in the ring. (laughs) Yes. That fight only sold out Wembley for one reason, because there was a soap opera drama that developed leading into the first fight, the result of the first fight, and then the buildup to the second fight became national headlines up there with the princes of England. Right. It became cannon fodder for Star Magazine and the National Enquirer. Right. It was drama. That's what sold that fight because it, it it turned into the real world. Right, it did definitely. It was the, some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen. Yes, dude, and but people loved it. It didn't matter where you lived in the world. So the fact that he said anything, the fact that he tried to bring down that moment in boxing and minimize it because he wasn't involved, 
just that that that's enough for me, man. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. So as far as I'm concerned, we don't talk about Andre Ward until we throw a ceremonial party from on uh, New Year's Day, removing Andre Ward from SportsRantRadio.com's pound for pound list. Damn you, Andre. Damn you. Oh, dear. All right. So we are going to take a break. We're going to come back with some more boxing news as today's episode on draft day for the League of Extraordinary Gamblers. Episode 11 of the Tale of the Tape continues on. I'm Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime, boxing connoisseur, Vince Cummings. You are listening to Sports Rant Radio. You're listening to a special edition of Sports Rant Radio. Be sure to drop by SportsRantRadio.com for all the archived episodes of The Rant and The Tale of the Tape, a boxing podcast. Be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at SportsRantRadio. You're listening to The Tale of the Tape. Welcome back to the tale of the tape on Sports Rant Radio. I'm Kenny Keith, and with me, Vince Cummings. Vin, let's talk about one of the most pathetic stories, one of the most uh, just disappointing boxers in the game today, the enigmatic Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., you can you can bundle him and Andre Ward up and uh, toss him off a bridge as far as I'm concerned. Super middleweight Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has fought one single time this year in a rematch against the recently knocked out BKB contestant Brian Vera in a rematch of a fight that Chavez lost on everybody's scorecard except yeah. the one that Chavez Sr. paid off. Of course. Um, was in negotiations to fight in January, late January, against the Cobra Carl Frotch. In a fight that when we first heard about this. Oh, man. Steaming undies I had. <laughs> Steaming undies. What guy did you shit yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's got me steamed up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you shit himself. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, apparently these negotiations have fallen to pieces in the same manner that the Gennady Golovkin versus Chavez Jr. talks dissipated in a piling, steaming, heaping wonder in Vince's pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, he has been declared as the mandatory challenger for the WBC belt. Completely unwarranted. He's never fought in the division. <laughs> How is he the mandatory challenger? Because he can make the most money. Because he can make them the most money. So... He, he's given this. He didn't even earn it. Right. And then he contacts the WBC and he says, he announces on his website saying that he's not going to exercise the mandatory challenge. So he doesn't want to fight Frotch. He doesn't want to fight Durrell for the WBC belt. And the Golovkin fight fell apart. And since he got his ass beat by Sergio Martinez in a lopsided fight, where he completely slept for the first 11 rounds of the fight. He's failed a post-fight drug test, served a nine-month suspension, has let everything unravel around him. I don't think he really wants to box. Does he really care about boxing, or is he just 
being forced into the sport based upon his name and, and his dad's legacy. You know what, man? I hate to say this. And my family, myself and my brother, were both pushed to the limit when it came to playing baseball. Oh, of course. And, you know, it got to a point where as I got older, I wanted to play less and less. Oh, you, you just tune everything out. Yeah. It becomes not fun. Exactly. And eventually I quit. It's like a judgment for you. You're you're constantly being judged and who wants to just constantly be judged. Yeah. I was playing college ball locally and I went and turned in my uniform. I left it outside the door of the coach's office. And is it something I look back on as an immature mistake? Should I finish the season and not let my teammates down? Yeah, absolutely. But I I see the same thing happening where his dad wants it more than he wants. Yeah, it's that's all it is. He wants to relive his glory through his son. It's, it's sad because Chavez has skill. He does, and he punches hard as hell, and he's got a granite chin. That fight with Frotch would have been the fight of the year, probably. Oh, dude, that would have been – There's that, that that would be a 100% can't-miss fight. You could you could have sold it in the U.K. You could have sold it in America. It had crossed into Mexico. I mean, everybody. It involves all nationalities. It would have been a, a huge, huge fight for the sport. Internationally – I'm going to, I'm going to put my finger on this because I do study the pay-per-view numbers quite closely in all sports. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say internationally, that fight would have done two to two and a half million pay-per-view buys. Oh yeah. It would have been one of the biggest ever. It would have been combined pay-per-view buys. It wouldn't wouldn't have been like what Canelo and Floyd did just in the U S they probably would have done about 500 K in the U S but, uh, add million, a million and a half in the UK. Exactly. You know, I mean, if, if, if Frotch Groves did a million, just there. Right. You know, it wasn't on pay-per-view here. Right. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't get this. I mean, he just doesn't want to fight. No, it's, uh, it's obvious. It's annoying to to boxing fans. I mean, I, I don't know. And he kind of put Frotch in a, in a compromising position, too, because where, you know, he had it lined up. Where does he go from here? Now he's stuck with James DeGale. DeGale or, or, or Brimer, and, and he, he doesn't want to fight those guys. Come on. No, not at the end of his dude. He just sold out Wembley Stadium. Right. He he wants a big fight. Yeah. And that's, I mean, of course, you know, the Gale and, and Frotch would probably be somewhat big in in England, but that that fight won't even be televised in America. Dude, I have no bias in saying this. You may think I do, but I sweat these two fighters equally, so that's why I don't have any bias. Right. Triple G Frotch would be a great fight. It would be a great fight uh, because of Frotch. Pound for pound, hits pretty close to damn near as hard oh, yeah. as Triple G does. Pound for pound. Yeah. If they fought at 168, Frotch has the advantage. Ah, yeah. I mean, that'd be, that'd be, one, that'd be better than Chavez, Frotch. Exactly. <laughs> so, for all this, HBO wanted to build it up that Carl Frotch was scared. Maybe to try to bait him into the fight. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And... Would it be good for Frotch's career? Does he want to go out getting knocked out? No. But I can tell you right now, Triple G has not fought anybody in the same stratosphere as no, Carl Frost. Uh-uh, not even close. And uh, not a guy that punches that hard and not a guy that can take a punch that hard. Yeah, because the, the fact of the matter is, Frotch wants to out-physical everybody he fights. Yes. He wants to come. Hey, dude. He'll be the bigger man in the ring. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, three inches taller. Yeah. With Probably. four or five inches on the reach. Yeah, yeah. A guy And a guy that lives, that can keep you... At distance with a jab. And he's not just going to be stalked around the ring by Triple G. He'll, he'll hold his ground, and Triple G will not have his way and take the fight wherever he wants it. 
boxing fans and, 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 you know, people in the sport may disagree when I say this. Andre Ward fights that fight differently against Frotch and he stands and doesn't clinch. He doesn't win that fight. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had to fight, <laughs> he had to fight that way. There's no way you're going to battle Carl Frotch man to man in the pocket and win. It's just not going to happen. But guess what? Triple G will. He will. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I want to see it. And you know what? People should provoke it. I mean, I don't see any reason why both fighters wouldn't want that fight. I'm sure Triple G does because that's that's a by far his biggest fight and will cement his name as you know up with the best. But you know, does Frotch want the risk? I, I don't know if he even sees it as a risk. Who knows? You know what, man? You made the greatest point before we went on air. He should go Frotch if he and I don't want to see him fight Brommer or DeGale. I don't yeah. care what what the uh, the sanctioning bodies say about DeGale's uh, mandatory challenge. He should. Carl Frotch should go up to 175. Yeah, he should face the winner of Hopkin, Golovkin, or Kovalev, or uh, try to get Steven, try to bait Stevenson into a fight. There's there's big money to be made there. Oh, absolutely, man. And those are fights that Frotch wants to. He wants to please the fans, right? You know what I mean? Like like he, he dude, he wants to fight a fight. He's got options. He could move up, and he can stay where he's at. He's got options. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because the fact of the matter is we're running out of time on one of boxing's prized gems. And, you know, the the man's man, uh, the fan's man, and one of uh, the best boxers of our generation, brawlers, bruisers. Yeah. You know? And I don't want to see him fighting no names at the end of his career. No, I, it's just a waste of... He's got two or three it, fights left. I was going to say, he's got about two in the tank, I think. Two really good ones. I will pay to see Mikkel Kessler. Could, I, I will pay to see that too. That and both their first two fights were awesome. That wouldn't be a pay per view in the United States, but they're talking about that fight being made in the United. States. Oh, really? Yeah. So, it, but you know what? If that fight was a pay per view, I'd pay forty bucks to watch Frotch oh, Kessler. I'd pay sixty. Yeah. I mean, why not, man? You're get you're going to get an entertaining fight with those two. I guarantee you that. Well, Kessler called him out. He came out of retirement. He said he's not retired, and he called out Frotch. So, does Frotch want? To go back in for another war against Kessler? I think he wants to end his career with Against that. Kessler, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, neither of them are getting any younger. No, uh-uh. Well, I could talk about the Cobra all day long, but we're going to have to move on. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about a guy that uh, Frotch nearly lost to. Yeah. Um, Jermaine Taylor. Jermaine Taylor, my God. Uh, it's just, it's a shame to hear this story. I, you know, he was, he was a fighter with such promise, beating Hopkins twice back-to-back. Uh, had he been in better shape, he would have beat Frotch. Yeah. But Frotch knocked him out in the 12th round, he, he 30 was, seconds left in the fight. Almost all the fights that he's lost, uh, uh, Arthur Abraham did it to him too in the 12th round. He's been winning the fight and pretty handily, two, three points on cards, dominating for the most part. Uh, very, a, a great style, or just a, a top-notch fighter. And it's just a shame to see where his career has gone. He finally gets a chance to make his way back into the sport and kind of get a big fight and get a chance to become a champion and make some money, which, if you ask me, he's deserved. The way he fought throughout his career early, he fought everybody. He fought hard. His fights were always entertaining. So he deserved this. But to shoot your cousin, what in the hell is wrong with you, man? Shooting anybody is... Terrible, but shooting a family member? It's usually not a good idea. Come on, man. Shooting people is usually frowned upon. God. You know what, man? Look, Sam Solomon should be fighting Triple G on October 18th. He should, yes. Okay. 
And I get it. He's he's in the twilight of his career, and he wants to hold on to his belt. Mm-hmm. Okay? I can tell you right now, Jermaine Taylor, pre-2009 uh, brain bleed, yeah. 12th round knockout, Arthur Abraham would destroy Sam Solomon. Yeah, he would. Lou DiBella said after the 2009 fight when he suffered the brain bleed against Abraham that he would not promote another fight involving Jermaine Taylor. And the fact that this fight is even happening, that he's allowed back in the ring, is very disturbing to me. Yeah. I don't know what a brain bleed entails. Means your brain was bleeding. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it it obviously means that, but it probably means you should sit down somewhere and just take a rest. Dude, it's it's, it's clear to me. Lou DiBella's cash cow got knocked out by Miguel Cotto. And he wants to, uh, you know, this fight right here is going to lie in his pockets. It's right. A, it's a middleweight championship fight. And it also, I'm sure. two ta- decent names. And I'm sure Taylor needed the money too, so. Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, we don't even know if it's going to happen now. It's scheduled for October 8th, so it's really right around the corner. But, um, you know, I don't know how they're going to handle shooting their cousin. In, yeah. the, in the NFL, that'd be a two-game suspension probably. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you should have beat your wife, all right? Okay, we'll get back to the ridiculous and the, the news of the weird um, here in a minute. But uh, Vladimir Klitschko was supposed to fight Kubrat Pulev um, next weekend. And now that's not happening. Not that we were going to ever see it anyways. Wait for it. Did... No, nobody cared. <laughs> nobody nobody cared that the hug fest that was about to take place next Saturday night wasn't taking place. I can't. I, and and we'll, get, we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit later. What is more entertaining, watching Vladimir Klitschko hug somebody to death or watching Adrian Broner do his clown dance and his shucking and jiving with his gold teeth against Emmanuel Taylor. Uh, I'll take the uh, the clown shoes, Broner. <laughs> I know, I know, you can't stand them, but anyways. So Pulev Klitschko has been moved to November fifteenth, and I'm sure it'll come across the wire at some point that uh, he uh, smothered him to death with hugs and kisses. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, back to the news of the weird. Jay-Z's Rock Nation, who a company owned by the mega entrepreneur, um, Jay-Z, super rapper extraordinaire, Hove, uh, Beyonce's hubby, has gotten himself into the sports management business and has signed big names, Robinson Cano, names in Major League Baseball. People have aligned themselves with him. He's got deep pockets. And now has decided to jump into the boxing game as rappers who have come before him have failed miserably. And he, yes, what I'm about to say is not a typo on my screen that I am reading from my outline, okay? He paid $1.9 million in the purse bid for Peter Quillen versus Matt Korobov. Riddle me this, Batman. What the hell was that all about? Ah. Uh-huh. I guess he had to overextend himself at first to get in the door. I, I don't know, but man, he's paying Quillen over a million dollars for this fight. That's that's uh, that's unheard of, man. That's come on, this guy has absolutely no draw. Uh and and the word is they wanna they wanna rival the Hopkins Kovalev fight. Well, I got news for you, buddy. You're not even gonna be on TV and you just paid a lot of money. No, they it's not happening on the same day anymore. Yeah, well, that's the smart thing to do. Yeah. It, did it, there was, why would you, okay, why is Jay-Z going to pay $2 million, overpay for a fight with, you know, 
Matt Korobov is the most boring middleweight I have ever seen. Yeah, there's no, there's no draw to that fight. Peter Quillen's a nice boxer, right? You know, he's a nice boxer. Kid Chocolate is decent. But here's the thing. Why would Jay-Z pay $2 million to host a fight at the DC Armory on the same night as the biggest fight of the year? That makes absolutely no sense. Right, so that was never going to happen. So now it's being rumored for November 1st, the week before, and it's going to be at the Barclays Center. Because, you know, Quillen is a, uh, a Brooklyn brawler. Right. So I, either way, man, yeah, it gets his foot in the door. Here's the thing. I'm okay with this, okay? Because, you know, a guy like Jay-Z, he's all about entertainment. Right. All right? Al Heyman has a vendetta against boxing because his brother got beat up and he wasn't protected properly by the people that handled his brother. Right. Okay. So now his priority has been to protect fighters. Mm -hmm. So he has whispered in every boxer's ear and told them, I can maximize the dollars in your pocket and you won't get hurt. And I care about you, baby. Nobody cares about you like, like big Al does. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm okay with Jay-Z. 50 Cent is a clown, is delusional, has no business being in the boxing game. No. Yeah. Floyd Mayweather pulled a fast one on him. I love it. <laughs> Saddled him with a bunch of bad contracts and a bunch of bum fighters with no desire to get into the ring. Not that freaking Mayweather promotions stable. They ought, they ought to put those two stables up against each other. So 50 Cent, man, I'll, I'll let you take this one. Let's talk about what's going on with 50 Cent and Floyd. I mean, I, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. It was some of the most funny shit I've ever seen in my life when uh, 50 Cent does his ice bucket challenge and decides to challenge Floyd Mayweather to read one page, just one of Harry Potter, <laughs> which, to, which to me, uh, something about a black man reading Harry Potter. That's just, it couldn't be any funnier. I don't know. why. Yeah. I, I don't think that that probably doesn't happen too much. No. Oh my gosh, man. Well, you know what? Whatever, man. Floyd is such a little sensitive baby, man. Well, you saw he he retweeted or he put on Instagram one or the other. He took a picture of his last two checks from Golden Boy Promotions. And yeah. 41.3 and 36 point whatever, and he's, read this. You know what, man? He has no problem clowning on everybody else. No, he, he does not like to be on the other side of it, no. He's, he's very insecure, obviously. Yeah, he should be. You know why? Because he's afraid of Manny Pacquiao. He might be. So, you know? He don't want to get in the ring against the one guy that can beat him. All right. Will have you him? noticed? Have you noticed the little chatter that's starting about that again every friggin' time? I, I it's I, I can't I can't stand. It. Aram said recently he'd like to see him both fight twice in 2015 because of course he thinks Pacquiao will win the first fight and there will be a rematch. I think Pacquiao will win the first fight too. Nah, it's not going to happen. It's just not. He doesn't want to lose to the second best. He doesn't, there is, it would be different if Floyd was so far separated from anybody in boxing. You know what I mean? It it would be so much different if there wasn't a next man up. Right. The the problem is Pacquiao beats him. Guess who's the best fighter of the generation? Pacquiao. Yes. And, And Mayweather just has to wear it and look really bad if that happens. Whatever, man. They are trying so unbelievably. It's an act of desperation, this promotion behind Mayweather Maidana. I do not want... I'm telling you right now, if Floyd had one loss on his record, one loss, I would not buy this fight. No. The only reason I'm going to buy it is because he's still undefeated and there's a chance, a a fraction of a percentage of a chance. And you'd be pissed if you miss his loss. Yep. And that's the only reason I'm going to fork over $75. How how many people are going to be celebrating that first loss? 
I don't know, man. I, I have no interest. It's, it, you know, it's so funny. Like you watch that all access and that, that little contrived beef that they had where they're both laughing after like the pushing. Oh my God. Dude, everything is staged. Oh, yeah. Everything is so contrived. Even when he's, he's on the mic and talking shit about Robert Garcia and they're, they're all laughing, snickering yeah. as it's going on. Like they don't <laughs> dislike each other. Yeah, no, come on. Dude, they're all in it to make money, man. Yeah. Why Robert Garcia announcing BKB? Why was Brandon Rios and Mikey Garcia commentating on BKB? Right. They were in the announcer's chairs. Right. It's like, dude, why? Look, look, you know my beef with the Garcia camp, okay? He trains brawlers to get knocked out by better fighters. It's pretty much his MO. Right. Okay? He's a sellout, all right? He walks around. He's a poster boy for a freaking Mitsubishi dealership. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty terrible. All right? Come on, man. Yeah. It's like, dude... Everything is it, it's so fake. You see Maidana sitting there. He doesn't say anything. No. You know what I mean? They gave him a script of like uh, words to read in English. Yeah, he's got about his his vocabulary in English is about twenty five words. <laughs> and he's just sitting there while all the clowning's going on because Garcia can speak English and Floyd can stutter English. Right. And they sit there and they're laughing and carrying on. Maidana's sitting there just like, oh my god, somebody shoot me. Floyd needs to uh, bring a Harry Potter book to the next uh, stop on the press tour. And yeah, read a page. He needs to prove it. <laughs> right. Who cares if he can't read? Right. How, dude, Dexter Manley used to sign his autograph with an X. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Gosh, old man. Dexter. Who cares? Yeah. Jeez. All right. I'm gonna go take a cold shower. I'm gonna go take the ice bucket challenge and cool off. <laughs> I'll fight out today. Fire again, pumped for the draft. Oh dear, oh dear. All right, you're listening to the tale of the tape. We will be right back. <laughs> Are you a passionate sports fan looking to get your knowledge and opinions out to the masses? If you feel like you have an interesting perspective on the world of sports, the Sports Rant Radio team might just be the outlet you're looking for. If you're an aspiring sports writer or columnist, send us an email to blogger at sportsrantradio.com. Or if you or someone you know has a sports podcast and would be interested in broadcasting it on our website, send us an email to podcast at sportsrantradio.com. We look forward to hearing from you and can't wait to add your passionate perspectives to our team. Aspiring writers, contact blogger at sportsrantradio.com and sports radio heads contact podcast at sportsrantradio.com and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sports Rant Radio. Welcome back to Sports Rant Radio. It is Fantasy Draft Day for the League of Extraordinary Gamblers, a subsidiary of degenerates. They better not ruin my damn house. <laughs> and you're listening to the tale of the tape. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me, <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Sports Rant Radio. And are you are you Robin or ba- I'm Batman? You're you're Robin. I'll be Robin. Sure, why not? <laughs> And my partner in crime, boxing connoisseur, <laughs> Vince Cummings, at Vince Cummings 81 on Twitter. So now we move into the rumors, something that has got my, something that tickled my pickle quite fancily. <laughs> Is Canelo Alvarez heading back 
to HBO. Uh, I hope so, and it, and it looks that way. And I, I commend, I'll tell you right now, top-ranking Golden Boy opening the lines of communications back up yes. and starting to put together fight cards that they can be proud to put out there because they know they're giving the fans what they want. They're, Absolutely. People are getting their money's worth, along with making names for, the, for your fighters. You're not going to make names for your fighters when they're beating no names. Nobody cares. And Showtime has been. Yeah putting on garbage it's, it's been all garbage. summer long. Thank you, Al. Now, Absolute garbage. Yeah, and, you know, it looks like to me that Bob Arum and, and Oscar De La Hoya got together and said, look, I, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little tired of this guy over here thinking that he runs the sport when Bob Arum has been in the sport for 50 years. Yeah. And Oscar De La Hoya is... One of the biggest pay-per-view stars ever. Yeah, he's the biggest. He's kind of bought boxing pay per view to what it is right now. Exactly. Besides him, Mike Tyson, Holyfield before then, he w- he was the guy. But he was a franchise, right? Exactly. You could put him on pay per view twice a year for he did it for five or six years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the alignment you could see the first power move. Oh yeah, was, Hopkins was Hopkins signing the Kovalev fight. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fought on HBO, and Hopkins put his uh, his middle finger up right at old Al. Yeah, and I, I'm glad he did. A lot of people don't know that Bernard Hopkins is an owner. You know? Yeah, he's a shareholder in Golden Boy. He's been on board. He's a, I think he owns five or ten yeah, percent of the, the company. Well, Hopkins has this vested interest, right? You know? And Hopkins used to be aligned with Richard Schaefer, and then you know when he sort of when it was brought to light that Schaefer was lining Al Heyman's pocket and not signing the fighters that were supposed to be signed in the best interest of Golden Boy. You know, Oscar's making a power play here with the with top rank, the biggest power player in the sport. And now what you're going to end up seeing is the the alignment on <clears throat> on HBO. And if they bring Canelo to HBO now, Miguel Cotto is, for all intensive purposes, is a free agent. Right. OK, but he fights on HBO and he's a Bob Arum guy. Right. OK, so now you have Manny Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez, Bernard Hopkins, Sergey Kovalev. Triple G. Dude. All the big matchups are, are set. You have everybody that is worth a shit. Right. Except for Floyd. And guess what? Floyd keeps on doing what he's doing. Who gives a rat's right. ass? Right. I, I You know, Al's going to be kicking himself in the ass here, I think, about three, four years down the road. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to miss out on a lot of big paydays. Yeah. And you know what? While the, while the television ratings and the pay-per-view buys line the pockets of... Oscar De La Hoya, Bob Arum, and HBO. Al Heyman is going to be taking whatever percentage cut he is while he rips off his fighters, mm-hmm. while Danny Garcia fights Rod Salka, while Lamont Peterson fights Edgar Santana, while Floyd Mayweather runs for Manny Pacquiao, while Adrian Broner fights Emmanuel Taylor, Lucas Matisse fights Michael Perez, and Andre Berto shucks and jives his way into complete an absolute ridicule and disappears from the sport as we know it. They are becoming irrelevant. He has shelved Keith Thurman. Yeah. It's happening. What he is doing and his fighters, he's, yeah, is he getting them an extra 100K, an extra 200K, more than what they're worth? But guess what? The level of irrelevance. Right. And they want to isolate themselves? Well, guess what? And that's what they're doing. Because what HBO is doing now is on October 18th, Okay, 
we have Triple G facing against Rubio at the StubHub Center, right? Mm-hmm. And added to the card, Nonito Denaire versus Nicholas Walters in a unification fight. Two, two great fights. And it is going to be, dude, you could argue that Nonito Donaire and Triple G are two of the top five most exciting fighters in the sport. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna put somebody to sleep nine times out of ten. Oh, uh, it's gonna be an absolute show. That is a guarantee. Yeah, is Nonito a different fighter than he was two or three years ago? Sure. Of course. Guess of what? Course. He's still gonna he's still gonna stand there and throw <laughs> bombs. Yeah, he will unload for sure. And then they move to November twenty second in the Pacquiao Algeri fight, which I gotta give them mad props. They're promoting this fight spectacularly. Yes, they are. Okay, they've added Zoshiming, one of the most intriguing fighters in the sport that everybody just wants to see time and time again. Right. And one of our personal favorites and a boxer that will become must-see, must-watch the more and more he fights. Vasil Lomachenko has been added to the card on the Pacquiao-Algeri card. You're getting three world-class fighters and, uh, you know... Everybody can see that Lomachenko probably has the most promise oh, yeah, as a dude. young fighter in the sport right now. In my opinion, he is the best all-around prospect in the sport. And you can't even call him a prospect anymore. He's a champion. You, you don't hear me say it very often. You know, sometimes Bob, old Bob gets on my nerves a little bit, but yeah. kudos to Bob Aram for putting this card together. Yeah, man. And you know what's funny, man, is you see Al Heyman thinks that he's doing something good for his fighters when the strategy and what he's doing to the sport is actually crippling it. But the good thing is, is that you have a company like Mike Tyson's Promotions who is signing top-notch prospects. Who wouldn't want to be promoted by Iron Mike, Exactly. (laughs) Dude, Tyson's Promotion, he's got legitimate people working for him. They're signing a prospect roster that is almost unrivaled in the sport bunch of fs1 and friday night fighters but they're they're good fighters on their way up exactly i mean he's getting he's pulling guys out of eastern europe that are amateur world-class fighters that are 300 wins and two losses eastern europe is starting to produce some some hella boxers man whatever program they've got over there they're they're throwing some some studs out so the good thing is is that you have guys like tom loffler eddie hearn oscar de la hoya I'm not going to give Bob Arum all the credit in the world because there are he lies to the public yes, all, the, all the time. Yes. So he, that kind of tells me that he's condescends a little bit too much. Is like, he trying to? Is he trying to make good with the fans on his way on his way out of boxing? You know. You know what? It's as is with life. There is a dichotomy and a balancing of good and evil. Right. You know what I mean? In any in any story, there's a protagonist and an antagonist. As long as boxing has guys like Eddie Hearn. Mike Tyson, Oscar De La Hoya, boxing will always thrive and survive into the future. And this alliance and alignment is great for the sport. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm so happy to see that the two biggest stables in boxing are now making matchups that were two years ago. You, you just you couldn't even, oh, never mind. That's not going to happen. Uh, I think the best part about it is, is either on the Cinco de Mayo holiday or on the Puerto Rican Independence Day holiday, you, we, us, the world is going to be privied to the biggest fight outside of the hypothetical Pacquiao-Mayweather fight is that we are going to get to see 
Canelo Alvarez versus Miguel Cotto for the middleweight championship of the world. Let's let's hope they deliver on that, please, God. I think it's all. I think it's a done deal. Yeah. Well, as long as now is Cotto fighting before then? Yeah, he's fighting. He's on, fighting December, right? Yeah, December thirteenth, I think. No, hopefully Cotto. You know, he's the one question mark there. I'd be nervous in that one fight. I don't care who he's fighting. Yeah, they'll probably end up propping him up against Andy. Well, Andy Lee's. <laughs> he saw Andy Lee yeah. and knocked somebody out. I mean, watch out for that. You know, you you think you got Andy Andy Lee going to sleep and he'll drop an uppercut on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, Canelo's not without his. You know, he's he's got some kryptonite too. I mean, they're talking about a possible matchup against Kirkland. You know, that's risky. Yeah. I mean, it is risky. And, you know, there's other, you know, there's other fights to be made. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, you know, Kirkland is the Houdini of boxing anyway. So who knows what the hell he's going to be doing from yeah, he's, so where he's at. Right. You know, smoking some rocks somewhere in a corner. Uh, <laughs> you never know with him. But the good thing is this is good news for boxing. So let's go ahead and flip the script. And we're going to close the show with this as we are running out of time here. At the tail of the tape, we are going to talk about very briefly the September 6th, what I like to call the Al Heyman clown card live from the U.S. Bank Arena in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> you want to you, you, you want to see a couple stiffs get knocked out, dude? It's like we've been saying, man, Al, Al Heyman, it's, you know, again, this is concrete proof of what we're saying. Dude, Emmanuel Taylor got beat up by Chris Algieri, all right? He's a tough fighter, but he has no business in the ring with Adrian Broner. So, Adrian Broner, Lucas Matisse, Andre Berto, all right? Let's just do a brief summary here. Adrian Broner is a boxer that will never live up to his physical potential because he's a clown. And he doesn't care about boxing as much as he cares about being a clown. Dressing like an old gaudy Jewish woman. Oh my God, that shirt was the Horrible. worst shirt I have ever seen. I mean, dude, he's a total clown. Yeah. You know, total, absolute clown. Okay, Lucas Matisse is one of my favorite fighters to watch. And he's fighting as Michael Perez. Who gives a shit? Right. Andre Berto is Adrian Broner's stunt double. Um, probably makes more sound effects per punch than Monica Sellis swinging a tennis racket. Yeah, Jesus. And... Dude, I don't even know what to say about this. Yeah, I, it, it just pisses me off. Yeah, it's it's annoying. It, it's uh, you know, even when you're watching it, it's like uh, kind of like a situation where you're paying a hooker at the end of the night. You know, you feel uh, after the deed is done and you've paid the money, you just feel cheated and cheap and just dirty. Yeah, you, that's what you're getting you right here. Have to take a shower and, right. and Clorox bleach. Right. You know, it, it, it just stinks, man. The stinks. only way that this fight. I mean, this fight card, the Al Heyman clown card, could be salvaged, right? Would be if they did a three-man tag team match, <laughs> right? right? And all three of them got in the ring together, like a mini, like 140-pound Royal Rumble. <laughs> okay? Oh, my word. Where all three of them could fight each other at the same time. Right. That, there, that'd be one way to do it. I, I don't see any other way that, I mean, you're not going to get me excited about this card. Will I watch? Yes, I will watch. I'm a boxing fan. I will watch. But I will watch begrudgingly. I'll probably walk away and not be as enthralled with it as I normally am because I know Al Heyman's pulling one over on me and everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't mind Adrian Broner. Like, I get 
them not setting him up against Matisse. Like, I understand that there's a little bit, there's something left to preserve with Broner because he's still young. Right. You know, but the, the dude, Andre Berto is done. He's yeah, toast. This is, uh, the third comeback attempt, I believe. For Jesus him. Soto Carras beat his ass. Yeah. And come on. We've seen Soto Carras take some ass beatings in the last two or three fights. They should have paired Matisse against Berto. Okay, that yeah. should have been the fight, and then this card could have been salvaged. I understand they're not going to put Broner against Matisse, but at least with Berto and Matisse, because dude, as much as I can't stand Berto, his antics, how much of an He's idiot warrior. he is, he will stand there and take a pounding. He's a warrior. Yeah, his fights are normally entertaining. Dude, what else is there to say about this? Uh, I don't. You know that September six card will suck the wind right out of you, and then the card on the thirteenth is going to suck even worse. But we'll, we'll dive into that. Next week on the show, um, you know, pretty much keep your fingers crossed and just, you know, buckle up because starting on October 18th is when shit is going to start hitting the fan. Yeah, the, the, the year looks to close very strong for boxing. Thankfully, because of the new Justice League, the new, <laughs> the Avengers, we'll call them, whatever you want to call them, the new alliance of good guys, the, uh, the allied powers, if you will. Um, are trying to preserve the sport, and they're going to do so starting on October 18th, live from the Mecca of Action Fights, the StubHub Center in Carson, California, as Triple G takes on the Mexican Rubio in what should be a tough-as-nails slobber knocker. So uh, anything else for today's show, Vin? Nope. I I have done zero research for the fantasy draft. I need none. I'm that damn good, Ken. You're that damn good. No, you just have two first-round draft picks. Yeah, number four, number six. You'd rather be lucky than good, huh? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Who are you going to take with your first pick? Uh, who you got? I, I don't pick till the first pick of the second round, so you can tell me who you're going to. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go wide receiver. It's going to be best available wide receiver, most likely. Yeah. Well, I traded AJ Green, so he's not available. So you're going to go with uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I can't do that. I can't. I can't go. Jordy on. Nelson or uh, I, Antonio I Brown. I can't draft a wide receiver either. Uh, not with the first pick <laughs> or the fourth pick in the first round. That's a tough call, man. Yeah. I'm going to have to look at my sheets. Like you said, I'm not prepared, obviously. Well, to quote the enigmatic, venerable T.O., get your popcorn ready. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> because it is draft day at the League of Extraordinary Gamblers. So that'll do it today here on Sports Rant Radio in the Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sports Rant Radio. And follow boxing connoisseur Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. Be sure to drop by sportsrantradio.com for all the archived episodes of The Tale of the Tape. We will see you next week for the preview of Floyd Mayweather versus Marcos Maidana 2. They're calling it mayhem. It is more than likely going to be a So good night, ladies and gentlemen, and you've been listening to Sports Rant Radio.